Welcome to Were the Kids Alright, a podcast where we analyze the books we read as kids. My name is Jacqueline and I use they, them, or she, her pronouns. And my name is Sophie and I use she, her pronouns. We're two college students who read a lot as children and now have thoughts. First things first, we use the analytical framework of death of the author. Basically, the author doesn't matter until we say they do. We also will get into spoilers, so this is your warning for that. For this episode specifically, we'll be discussing themes of mind control, kidnapping, emotional manipulation, non-graphic physical violence, and children in danger. Please take care of yourself if any of these themes cause you distress. This week, we read The Mysterious Benedict Society by Trenton Lee Stewart. This follows four kids who pass a series of mysterious tests and then get recruited for a secret mission to save the world from evil messages transmitted straight into people's minds. There's also a institute where people go undercover. Yeah. Dun dun dun. Okay, so let's start off with our own backgrounds for the books. I think I probably, I can't remember exactly when I first read this, but I was talking to my mom the other day, and our best guess is that I probably read it around fourth grade, so like 10 years old. I was really into like books about children solving mysteries and puzzles back then. Um, of which there are quite a lot. 39 Clues. I did read that series and I do love it. Though I don't think I read the entirety of that series until like way after because they came out so, it was, there was like one a year and by the time they all came out I was like over it yeah. and also like, I don't know, Asian my library mysteries. didn't have all of them so it took me a while to get through them. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll do that one day on the podcast. 39 okay. Clues. I don't know. Did you read that? No, I did not. Oh, okay. When My did you first did. When did you first read Mysterious Benedict Society? Okay, so back in the land of 4th and 5th grade Montessori school, <laughs> um, there was a kid in my class who loved Mysterious Benedict Society, and we used to be able to choose the books to read during Read Aloud, and then we would vote on them. And um, this kid suggested Mysterious Benedict Society, and then my teacher, we read it out loud, and because it's such a long book, and read aloud is only half an hour each day, we read it for, like, a good three months, and um, we were allowed to draw and knit during the book, so it was <laughs> it was quite the experience, and my teacher had such a good reading voice, and really, really captured the tension of every situation, but I think the the way that she read the book kind of made me hate Rennie a little bit. <laughs> not gonna lie. Um, yeah, because Rennie Rennie was a little bit like a like the way Rennie came off to me was like a Gary Stew with nothing important to say. Um, and we'll get into how I feel now, but um. Yeah. The reason why I probably didn't reread it as much was because I didn't really like the main character and I had like a whole boys are stupid phase. Boys are stupid. <laughs> You're valid. So, um yeah. It was Fair. a it was a whole thing. Mm -hmm. I actually reread the entire Mysterious Benedict Society, at least all the ones that were out at the time, because something that I learned recently is there's a new Mysterious Benedict Society book out. So gonna have to read that one day. But anyways, I read all of the books that are currently out or that were currently out like two to three summers ago. The at my camp they had a mini library um, that people like donated books and it was like one of those like like the little libraries that have popped up around the world um, where you can like take a book and then return it. 
So they had all of the Mysterious Benedict Society books, so I just read them all in the span of like two weeks at camp, and it was great, and I just love it. And I think actually having reread it so, I don't know if it's like so recently, but it feels kind of recent, I think that kind of lowered the nostalgia level for me, but I do still love this book. Yeah, I think the nostalgia level for me was pretty high just because I haven't read it since then. Um, I read the second and third books when during when I was in like 11. Um, but I think my parents read that out loud to mm. me and my sister. So I've never actually really read these books on my own, which definitely affected the way that the voices came off in my head. It was like different from my normal reading voice that occurs in my head just because so many other people read it out loud. And yeah, it was an experience. Yeah. So first impressions on the reread, what were yours? You got any? The writing is really good. It is. It's surprisingly good. Yeah, it's it's very good, but I also feel and I feel like there are a lot of things that I can pick on, pick up on as an adult that I wouldn't have picked up on as a kid. I feel like it's almost, you know how a lot of cartoons, especially like movie like animated movies are designed so that like kids will like them, but also there's something for the adults because the adults are the ones taking the kids to the movie. Hmm. I feel like Mysterious Benedict Society isn't quite that, but it certainly has, like, those added layers that you can come back to when you're older. Yeah, well, the narrator does not feel like a kid. The narrator feels like an adult. Yeah, I we were talking about this the other day, and I feel like the narrator, to me, feels very much like an adult who understands the headspace of kids. Yes, but also is moving on, moving through other people's heads, but like not being them. It's not like viewing the story through their eyes. It's like kind of casually observing it happen with yeah. some commentary. Mm-hmm. And like you can, you can get an idea of how characters are doing and feeling. Like you get a lot about Rennie because Rennie's the the main the main character. So mm-hmm. you get you get a lot from Rennie. But it also feels like someone is observing Rennie's thoughts. Like, what if, what if the Whisperer was the narrator all <laughs> <laughs> That would be wild. Yeah. That'd be so wild. You know, like, the very end of the book where Rennie thinks that the Whisperer is, like, talking to him and trying to convince him to join Mr. Curtain? Yeah. That part got me. I was, like, on the edge of my seat. And was like, wait, I couldn't remember if it was actually the Whisperer talking to him. But then, like, they made it clear that no, Rennie's just, like, having a having a spiritual crisis, I guess. Yeah. And, like, that's a very real crisis to have. Yeah. Um, because definitely with what's going on in the world right now, and, I mean, personal things going on, it's easy. It's easy, I know, for me to think, like, what if I just, like give up on it all Mm -hmm. and just like let things happen and stop fighting and like that's a very tempting thought sometimes yeah that was actually one of my like biggest impressions especially for like the first couple of chapters Uh, when Rennie is first describing the emergency I was just like 
I'm always shocked by how relevant it still feels. Mm-hmm. Like, these books were written in what, 2000, or the first 2007. one? 2007. Yeah, the first one was written in 2007. So, right before the, um, the big recession of 2008, um, but it's still so relevant. And it's just really sad that it's still so relevant. Because, yeah. like, no matter how much society seems to have improved, it's all just we're still in a constant state of panic about something new. Yeah. And this was a point that Tomorrowland, the Disney movie, tried to make in, like, 2015. And that movie was an <laughs> epic failure. <laughs> um, this book I never saw made, that one. made a similar point makes a similar point in a less condescending way, I think. Mm. But there is something about it and, like, about the fact that these kids are the only hope and that these kids are the only one who can resist that feels kind of... I don't know. if I don't, I don't personally like it that much because there has there has to be more people out there. And I know these tests are crafted to target these kids, but... A lo- and especially in the first part, it relies on people having steady access to television and radio, and not everyone in the world is going to have that. Yeah. So it feels very... I don't know. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of sad stuff in this book. <laughs> it's kind of a sad one. Um, we've kind of already been talking about characters and world building, but before we go into that even more. Let's talk a little bit about the writing. Because we mentioned a little bit earlier that, like, we both loved it. And, like, or at least I loved it. I think you just said that you liked it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I just thought it was really good. It was really well-paced, especially coming off of reading Dragon Slippers, which is a very fast-paced book. Yeah, which is much simpler writing. Yeah. I felt like this was slightly more complex writing. Um, it doesn't shy away from using big words, which I think is important. But it also makes sure to define a lot of those big words for the reader. Yes, but not in an annoying way like a series of unfortunate events like that. Mm, true. Like, I can't even begin to tell you how annoyed I was when I read this series of unfortunate events. I quit after the first book because I couldn't take the constant interjection of the narrator (laughs) well i also only read the first book of that series but mostly because i wasn't very interested in it and didn't read it when i was younger but anyways back to this um i felt like that's part of why it felt like an adult writing it like and knowing what a child reader would want out of it because like when i was a kid i didn't know what those words meant but i appreciated how they had like like, Trenley Stewart wove it into the narrative that Sticky would explain what the words mean, and then Rennie would, like, translate what that means, especially, like, for Constance. Yeah. I like that it paused to talk about how things looked and how how characters might be feeling. Like, it doesn't shy away from drifting into other people's feelings, even though mm-hmm. the book centers around Rennie. Yeah. I was thinking of it as, like, kind of a a narrow third person where usually it focuses on Rennie, but every once in a while it does switch to another character. We get, like, whole chapters from Kate. Yeah, it's very omniscient. Yes, yes. We get whole chapters from Kate. We get whole sections from Sticky. 
I don't think we ever get a section from Constance's point of view. I mean, would you want, would you really want that? I think it'd be so funny. I think, I think it would be unbearable. <laughs> um, Fair enough. This is a two-year-old here. That plot twist. I wrote down in my notes, plot twist of my childhood. Yeah. Because the, it was. The, the plot twist that got me the first time around was Rhonda was not a kid. Oh Rhonda my god, yes. That got me. And also Constance's actually too. Those were the two also, plot things that really got me. Milligan is Kate's father. Oh, I saw that one coming. I did not see it coming the first time around, and I just feel like that reveal is so... It's kind of sudden, but it's, like, pretty well done. I don't know. I yeah. still like it. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. It made me cringe a little bit, but that's Why? that's mainly because I don't really like parent reveals in books <laughs> that much. <laughs> but that's more of a personal thing. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like this book also kind of showed me that my humor clearly hasn't changed just since I was a child. I think what you said about dragon slippers. Yeah, it still applies. Yeah, it's like, ugh, Mysterious Benedict Society is just so casually hilarious. And Sophie and Court can both attest that um, I was literally laughing out loud while reading this book. And every once in a while, I'd, like, pause and read a line out loud and be like, this is freaking hilarious. Yeah, something that I will say about the dialogue is that there are a lot of dialogue markers. So um, there's a lot of said, 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 which there isn't a problem with that. I'd rather have there be a lot of said than, like, weird stuff like a separated and admonished and yeah. all those all those things. But, um I think that the the characters maybe don't have their own distinct voices in the dialogue and you need to know that the character is saying it to know that the character is saying it. You need to know which character is speaking because they don't mm. really have their own distinct voice. They all kind of yeah. talk the same. Yeah. I think the only one who has maybe a very different voice is Sticky, but that's just because he's supposed to be a character who yeah. is like highly anxious and can repeat back literally anything yeah um so going to characters oh yes we should move into that because we've um, already been there <laughs> characters is honestly my biggest problem with this book really yeah why um i just wasn't getting enough personality from any of them okay like they all fit into the plot really well and i mm. see how they're important to the plot but it felt like the thing that they had though really cool, was felt, like, very gimmicky. And I wanted to know beyond that how, like, what motivated them and who they were besides just, like, they're all alone, which I understand. But, I mean, that doesn't... That was kind of... That kind of was used to explain a lot of their character motivation without actually going into the motivation. And I just wasn't getting a strong personality from the dialogue or the character actions. It was just like the one thing that they could do was define everything about them and their decisions in the book. Yeah, yeah, that's really fair. I feel like I like how the characters fit in really well to the narrative. And I don't really have a problem with that. I do get that they feel a little bit two-dimensional. <laughs> yeah um because like 
Rennie specifically overall. Bland. Just like a nice kid. <laughs> yes, bland is a word that could be used. He does describe himself early on as perfectly average in literally every way. Yeah, except he's good at puzzles. Yes. This is one thing. Yeah, but I do really like his inner struggles. It felt like... I feel like when I was a kid, it felt very real to my experience as a kid. Like, the inner lives of all of these children. It felt like... And even now, it still feels like they're real people. But, like, they're also, like, not the most complex people in the world. And they don't have to be. Which, I don't know. It works for me, but I can see why it wouldn't work for everyone. Yeah. I... I couldn't deal with Rennie being right all the time. I couldn't do it. <laughs> He's I, not right. I was all less the time. okay because he was a kid. I was less annoyed at him, knowing mm-hmm. that he was a kid, and also like seeing how each of them brought their own things to the table. Mm-hmm. But I remember when I was reading, when I was listening to it in class, I was thinking like Rennie, you need to like this is annoying. This is he. He's too he what. What is his character? What are his flaws? I think we saw a fair amount of his flaws. He doubts himself a lot. But everyone does. Yeah. And I think that that's like the point, I think. Well, he is supposed to be more of a self, self-insert self character. Yeah, than which I don't like. Okay. I don't personally like self-insert characters. I I don't mind if the character is a little bit less... Um, aggressive in their characterness especially the main one so it's it's easier to be in their head for a long time mm-hmm. i don't mind that but i don't like self-insert i just find it i just find it so boring to watch the person especially when it's in especially when it's in third person so you can jump around to the other characters mm-hmm. yeah it might have been interesting if the writing had, if the narrative had, like, jumped to different perspectives more often. But I feel like that would have gotten really messy really fast. hmm And I don't know if it would have added much besides making Rennie look even more boring to you. Yeah, I like that Rennie <laughs> grappled with the effects of the Whisperer. I thought that that was yes. really well done. And I think... I agree. That was, like, one of my favorite parts where he's, like questioning if he's brave enough yeah like that's so real and i like that he turns the whisperer to support him in the end with with his with his fears like i i like that a lot i wish there was more of that like i wish that arc happened for way longer yeah he does end up just being kind of like the leader of his friend group and like and like calling all the shots yeah. And, like, always being right. Yeah, because he's blandly good at puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the it takes a really long time for them to actually get to the Institute. Yeah. Which, there's so much packed into this book. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't have wanted it to be a page shorter or anything. Like, it feels like a very complete story. But it... There's a lot packed in there. Yeah, I just wish that there had been more character arc for each of the characters. Because Kate 
has the same personality basically the entire way through. Sticky has the same personality the entire way through. Constance has the same personality the entire way through. Though, when she starts hearing voices, I did, I did like, get a sense of her character a lot more. I feel like it's also hard for Constance specifically to, like, have a character arc because she is two years old. Yeah, but I still felt like I got something because she was hearing she was hearing the voices and she didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. They felt like they felt like children characters to me. Yeah, and I feel like I got I get so invested in plot, and I know we talked about how last time you're more of a character reader. Yeah, um, but like I think I'm pretty equal on character and plot being like liking both and the plot in this book is just so strong yeah the plot is really 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 strong so i feel like that kind of solved all of it for me i just wish the children were just better developed i don't really care (laughs) that the other characters weren't that well developed Mm -hmm. like we can talk about matina no not matina martina Uh, martina (laughs) martina crow and how she was just how a lot of the messengers and a lot of the other kids in the institute were just generic bullies. Yeah. And described as generic bullies. What I super didn't like about those characters just being generic bullies is like they kind the the narrative kind of tries to humanize them a bit by like a lot of the executives being assumed to have started out as like orphans like those two kids that we meet at the very beginning when they first get on the island, that they've been, like, yeah. quote-unquote recruited, a.k.a. kidnapped. Um, I know for a fact, though, that Jilson and Jackson are, like, treated as comic relief villains for even the rest though, of the series. Oh, yeah. But even though, like, in this book we get, like, um, not really backstory for them, but we do know that they were recruited as well, so they were kidnapped. Yeah. And, like, the narrative tries to humanize them, but... Doesn't do a great job. <coughs> Ooh, excuse me. Yeah, and I was surprised at the kid's willingness to, like, Sticky's willingness to throw Martina under the bus. He felt bad about it. <laughs> I know he felt bad about it. I was, I was glad that the the book made sure that, that they were going to feel bad about it, but I'm still surprised that they ran this plan by everyone. Yeah. And they decided to throw her under the bus, even though she didn't actually do anything. So I didn't think that it was fair. And he obviously knew how horrible the waiting room was. They knew what the stakes were, and still they threw her under the bus. Yeah. Kind of what, uh, how I, like, viewed that part is it felt a lot like how a child being bullied would want to handle their bully. Mm Mm-hmm. Like... I don't know. Yeah. As someone who was bullied, if I had a chance to put my bully in a room that would scare the heck out of her, I would have. As, like, a 12-year-old, I probably would have done it. Or, what, they're, like, 11? Yeah. Yeah, like, I think it makes sense in the mindset of a child. Yeah, and I guess it also makes sense because the... message transmissions were really messing with them and they were making them angry and irritable Mm. i really liked that part and how they kind of get used to it but they kind of don't Mm -hmm. yeah 
Yeah, I wish that there was more character depth (laughs) (laughs) to the effect that it had. This is going to be a common theme. I'm constantly going to be saying, more character depth. And then it's going to be like, it's a children's book. (laughs) Well, okay, I don't think children's books can't have character depth. I like to go for the darkness of the character depth, though. Oh, God. Oh, God. Like, what if Rennie or Sticky actually did decide to switch sides to Mr. Curtin. Oh my god. How would that affect the plot? That would be really interesting to me. It'd be really messed up. It would be so messed up, but it would be so interesting. Oh my god. Okay, but that, we're we're jumping like five (laughs) sections ahead. Okay. (laughs) Back to characters. So like, the other main character besides the children that I think we should talk about is Mr. Benedict. Yeah. Because like, he's... The main comparison that my brain is drawing these days to him is he's literally, like, a slightly better version of Dumbledore. Because, mm-hmm. like, Dumbledore puts Harry in... Um, grooms him to die. Grooms him to die, yes. That is a good way to put it. <laughs> and Mr. Benedict isn't grooming these children specifically to die, but he is putting them in danger. He does take steps to protect them from physical harm. Uh-huh. But I don't know. It shouldn't be a child's decision if they stay on an island to possibly die. He also, like what? He also has them go through these tests and doesn't let he doesn't let them call home. He doesn't oh, yeah. he basically kidnaps them. Yeah, it's like a nice kidnapping, but it is kidnapping. It's still kidnapping. <laughs> he doesn't let them call home. Yeah. He basically tells them how are they supposed to believe what he tells them Mm -hmm. he literally says to constance in the beginning when he's telling them the truth that like literally if you tell anyone this no one will believe you because you're a child yeah which is some serious yikes behavior that you know child exploitation like this is this is one of the things that was in the example that I actually, that my fifth grade teacher, the one who read this out loud, actually gave me when we were talking about child exploitation, was mm-hmm. saying, like, no one will believe you if you tell anyone, yeah. so don't. Yeah, I feel like it's not quite to that level because it's presented by the narrative as being a negative thing. And, like, I feel like Mr. Benedict wishes that the kids would be believed. But it is also concerning that yeah. he felt the need to say that. The stakes are really, 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 really high. Yes. Like, this is... Oh uh, my god, yeah. The entire time when Sticky's thinking about backing out, like, it seems like his thought process is just like, these stakes are way too high, how can I back out knowing this? Yeah. Which is, like, very manipulative. Yeah. The stakes are really high. I... S- I want to get to this later, but they sh- they could just kill Mr. Curtin. <laughs> yeah, Mr. <laughs> Let's talk about Mr. Curtin for a sec because I love how he is like the opposite, but also the same as Mr. Benedict. Yeah, like I just kill him. Love that. We'll get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> but like Mr. Benedict and Mr. Curtin are twin brothers, and they don't know that Mr. Curtin is Mr. Benedict's twin brother until they meet him on the island because they've literally never... He, like, doesn't go in public very often, so they've never seen him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, like, this big surprise. And it's so cool to see how they're, like... The way that they deal with children is 
similar yet very opposite and just like the way that they think about the world because Mr. Curtin's whole thing is that he wants control and he wants control over everything. He's clearly got some classic traumatic, villain. Yeah, classic villain with a traumatic backstory. Yes, um, a traumatic backstory that still does not convince me that they shouldn't just kill him and be done with it and not put children at risk. <laughs> If they killed him, he can't he can't do the thing where he shouts the drops the curtain and then the messenger can't work. I mean the whisperer. And then like well, problem solved. The whisperer can still work because Mr. Benedict is revealed to be able to use it. But he wouldn't use it for evil as far as we know. Yeah. Um But also like to jump ahead to why they can't kill him, I feel like they can't kill him because they don't really know what he's doing. Well, yes, but once they find out what he's yes. doing, yes, just you're kill right. him. That's a fair thing to say, I think. But anyways, I feel like Mr. Benedict and Mr. Curtin being, like, their attitudes towards children is they both think that children are very, very important, but Mr. Benedict thinks they're important and should be, like, protected and learn as much as possible and, like, be actual children. And Mr. Curtin is like, Ah, yes, they're important because I can use them to further my own ends. Mr. Benedict and Mr. Curtin bring up some really interesting questions about nature versus nurture because they are twin brothers, but they were raised apart. So how much of biology comes into how they are and how much is it just their situations? And I don't know. I find that Mm -hmm. question to be very interesting. Yeah. I don't think that... Mr. Curtin is fundamentally a bad person. He just became... Yeah. I don't know how he got there, though. I can't really remember. There was... We didn't get much of his backstory. You get more of his backstory in the later books. Yeah. Which... And if I had more of a backstory to sympathize with him, I wouldn't want to murder him. (laughs) The problem is he's... Mind control is... Just horrible. Mm-hmm. We've had two book two books so far that focus a lot on mind control, and you know it's 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 bad. Mind it's, control. Yeah, there. Yeah. I don't even have any nuanced thoughts right now. It's just really, really, really gross. It's kind of odd how many children's books focus on mind control. Yeah, maybe that says something about how we treat children. Yeah, I don't know. But from what I can remember of uh, Mr. Curtin and Mr. Benedict's backstory is they were born in Holland, and then their parents die in a laboratory accident because they're scientists. And then for some reason, Mr. Benedict gets sent to his aunt in America, Mm -hmm. but Mr. Curtin doesn't, I don't think. And I don't know why. I can't remember why. Yeah. But yeah, they they grow up in very different situations. Yep. Yeah. Fun stuff. These characters are very interesting. I wish we got more about Rhonda and number two. Yeah. Because they're kind of just... Why are they continuing to help Mr. Benedict? Mm -hmm. And also, are they the only two kids who have ever passed Mr. Benedict's um, tests? Because that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I'm just wondering why they're sticking around. 
And also, yeah. if Rhonda can pass for a kid, why doesn't she go as an assassin and kill Mr. <laughs> Curtin? <laughs> Maybe she can't pass that well. Okay. She does have to make her hair green in order to pass as a kid. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I think she's just kind of short. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, well, they don't seem to care about the kids that much, so I feel like they wouldn't know. That's fair. That's very fair. Also, my one thing about, like, Rhonda and number two is that they're kind of, like, I don't know. It brings up some interesting questions of these two young... It, like, the dynamics just feel a little bit icky, especially in a post-Me Too movement world, mm-hmm. where there's these two younger women staying around with their mentor, who is an older man, mm-hmm. who has is, like, they're taking care of him... And also think he's, like, literally a genius. Yes, and I don't know if they're getting paid. Yeah, well, it looks, it seems like they're being at least given room and board. Yes, but do they want to live with him? Or do they not have a choice? There's the question. There's the question. Because, yeah, because this was, the whatever, the improvement wasn't Mr. Curtin's improvement. Yeah, the the improvement. Mm Mm-hmm. It was still far off when they came to work for him. Yeah. It was... The only really dangerous thing are the messages, which until recently in the book couldn't even be transmitted. Yeah. Though there were though there were the kidnappings. Yeah. It seems like the reason they stick so close to Mr. Benedict and, like, why they have a house with a maze in it and why they have Milligan to protect them is because... They don't want to be kidnapped and turned into helpers. Yeah. It's probably at least part of it. But they've been with Mr. Benedict since they were both kids because they both passed his tests. Yeah. So that's just, like, kind of weird. He's literally, like, raised them. And he adopted both of them. Yeah. What I don't understand is how much Mr. Curtin knows about what Mr. Benedict is doing. Yeah, that's kind of confusing. Because Mr. Curtin doesn't know that Mr. Benedict is his twin brother either. But he also is very worried about people resisting. Yes. So he knows that it's possible for people to resist. Yeah. It's why he has, like, the... The helpers and the mind sweeping. Like, something, something, always leave the TV on. Poison apples, poison worms! (laughs) Oh, the missing aren't missing, they're just departed. Mm, yeah. That part creeps me out every time. Yeah, the missing aren't missing, they're just parted. Or something. That's literally it. Yeah. Oh, maybe it is they aren't lost. I don't know. Yeah. Those little messages. Creepy. And the, there was the free market one, which <laughs> had my economics and politics brain going. Mm-hmm. I was thinking like, wow, this person wants control of the free market. <laughs> Is that a good thing to want? No. Okay. No. <laughs> I don't know much about what's the what are we supposed to know about the free market? The free market is capitalism. Oh. So basically Mr. Curtin's opinion on capitalism is that it's impossible to control so we should try to control it. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean, think about those those things like the only rules there are no rules. Mm. I don't like him. Yeah. He speaks in riddles and I don't like it. He treats kids like he's they're idiots. I'm yeah. talking about Mr. Curtin here. I appreciate Mr. Benedict because he treats children like they're intelligent. Yes. 
I really do like that. And I feel like as a kid, that was probably one of my favorite parts because like, you know, it's always nice to have an adult validate your intelligence. Yeah, I do think it's still creepy that he is particularly seeking people who are alone yeah. and he doesn't give them a chance to go back to their place and he makes he them does. make their decision. He makes them make their decision when they're already in his house. Yeah. Yeah. So what That's true. And they they don't know what what's going on. They don't know if the people are safe. Yeah. I feel like it the uh, Trenton Lee Stewart tried really hard to explain everything in narrative, but it still comes off as kind of this creepy old guy literally like using children to solve his problems. Which is what he's doing. Yes. He's explicit. Even Mr. Benedict is very explicit that he's using children. Yeah. But for the he, mission. Yeah. I also don't think that he had to put as much weight on the children to do what they're doing. Because really what he wanted them, he needed them to do was to just find out information. Yeah. And then as soon as they get the information, they should have left. Yeah. And I think it was wrong for Milligan to even have the option. Like, Milligan should have literally just, like, knocked them out and taken them off the island. Mm-hmm. Like, that would have been the best thing. Yeah, I also think that putting them in so much danger that they... they the Putting the putting Rennie and Sticky, making them become messengers, mm-hmm. and putting them in the harm of... Of the, the direct path of Mr. Curtin. Yeah. I know that that helped them find out more information, but there could have been another way. And it also gave them both, like, like, I don't know, it confused their consciousness. Yeah, and we see Kate and, Kate and Constance being able to break him. So they could have done a different kind of espionage with the with whisper they could have figured it out without actually having to sit down in the chair yeah but we'll never know <laughs> yeah um so our next section is more of a world building world look. building um because i think we're done with characters at this point yeah <laughs> we've been talking about everything but yeah let's let's move on from characters specifically World building. This world is like very, very soft sci-fi. If we're talking cheese metaphors, this is like, like brie. a spread cheese. Brie. Yes, this is the brie of sci-fi. Yes, <laughs> it is. It has a similar feel to series of unfortunate events in that in that world, mm-hmm. especially in how they're both kind of like vague with the time and setting. Yeah. Yeah. You know it's in the United States because people refer to it being in the United States a lot. Mm-hmm. But you don't really know. You don't know when. Yeah. Clearly cell phones aren't really a thing. You don't know where Stone Town is. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of the scientific, quote-unquote, scientific explanations that are given throughout the book, they're like, they make sense on a surface level, and they felt like they made sense to me as a child. But mm-hmm. now that, like, I've gotten to, co- I'm in college and, like, learning things, um, not a lot of it holds up. Like, I'm sure there is some 
reality backing like the whole packaging of information and that stuff but the actual technology to get it into your brain they just hand wave that away yeah but i'm actually okay with hand waving yeah Um, i don't mind it as long as it makes sense in universe and the characters don't point to the fact that it doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. because if if the author's like i know this doesn't make sense but this is how it works just trust me then it's like, wow. <laughs> That's so much worse. You do not trust your reader. Yeah. But I don't mind I don't mind hand waving. I actually thought that the world building was really good. Mm, I thought that yes. there was a lot of commentary on how the news just likes to go with every single horrible thing over mm-hmm. and over and over again. Yeah. Um and how politics is just doom and doom and doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. Very relevant. Yeah. Yeah. I think the whole, like, everything about the emergency is really good world building. Yeah. The thing is that the actual whisperer and the messaging thing, I understood it now more now that I was reading it as an adult and could actually rationalize a lot of the stuff that wasn't explained so much but when I was listening to it in class I had no idea how the thing worked Mm. to be fair I didn't really care but um (laughs) I was very confused I didn't really know how the ending worked I was just like "Woo, Constance and and, um as one should be that's all like I didn't understand it it was very very confusing I think that the way it worked could have been definitely ex in like you have all the pieces of how it works mm-hmm. but you never have like the complete picture in one part of the book yeah it's never like someone comes out and just like explains it to you yeah i Which, wish there yeah. had been one just one part that explained how the whole thing was going to work mm-hmm. all at once yeah. that would have been nice because it is, like, a lot. It's a it's a long book. And I can especially get how, like, reading it over a series of months, you would lose those details. Yeah. Like, we read this book over the course of, what, like, two, three days? Yeah. So, like, yeah. Where it's, like, very fresh in our minds. And we had all of it at the same time. Yeah. I know this is in the United States. Yes. I'm pretty sure it's on the East Coast. That's what it felt like. Judging from the architecture described in the book. Mm-hmm. And it's clearly on a waterfront. Yeah. And it seems rainy. Maybe it's Seattle. But mm-hmm. not Seattle. No, it's probably like... I don't know. I'm picturing... I'm honestly picturing like Gloucester, Massachusetts or something like that. I have no idea where that is. I know where Massachusetts is. I just don't know where Gloucester specifically It's is. near where our friend lives. Ah, okay. Like a few minutes away. Okay, cool. Um, before we exit the world building part, because it sounds like we don't have that much else to say, this is something that I don't know where else it fits in our podcast structure, but I am upset about the children's sleep schedule. <laughs> they were going to bed before 10. No, they weren't. They stayed up until after midnight most nights. Really? Yes. And they woke up at like 7 or 8 in the morning. A couple of times, they wake up before dawn. Well, I mean, lights out were lights out for a reason. Yeah, 
and they didn't follow lights out because they could only have their secret talks after lights out. So yeah, and lights out was at 10 p.m. But you can you can leave your light on so long it's before 10 p.m. Yes. Anyways, I was upset about their sleep schedule, and I said that to our friend who has a terrible sleep schedule, mm-hmm. and she laughed at me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just think it's funny. Well, not funny, but I think it's interesting how, like, the things that I care about now as an adult are so different than what I would have cared about as a kid. Because I don't think I really cared about their sleep schedule when I was younger. I still don't really care. Fair enough. I but understand. You I know I should, but also they were sleeping, Constance was sleeping during class. They clearly had some downtime that wasn't in the book where they could take a nap. I think Constance was just napping whenever she could because she's literally two years old and shouldn't be in school for eight hours a day. Yeah, and it seems like, I don't know. Can Constance even write? Like, what? Constance, yeah, Constance can write. She wrote on the test. That doesn't make any sense. She's two years old. Well, I don't know. know. I I thought I knew stuff about child development. I clearly don't. There are are two-year-olds who can write out there. Maybe Trenton Lee Stewart just doesn't know enough about childhood development. Well, I mean, this is a book that requires you to suspend your disbelief about a lot of things. That's true. Like, Sticky can remember every single thing. There are people who can do a lot of that. Mm -hmm. But it's, like, very... It's kind of a lot that you would have all these children in a room in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. And I don't understand how they see Constance and don't realize she's two years old. Yeah, like, she must be a very tall two-year-old. Yeah. I don't I don't understand, because when I see a two-year-old, I know they're two years old. <laughs> I don't know if I know they're two, but I know that they're, like, a youngin. I have a very good grasp of people's ages. That's good. That and vaguely what time it is of day. Hmm, that's pretty impressive. That's my. That's what the skill I can bring to the mysterious Benedict <laughs> Society. We're gonna create our own, our own mysterious Benedict Society. Perfect. Let's do it. Um, next section is section critical analysis. Woo! I don't know if there's a lot. We've talked a lot about like the. There's like one main thing that we got to talk about about the critical analysis, mm-hmm. which is how um, Trenton Lee Stewart talks about characters skin tones Mm -hmm. um it's not great we didn't really notice it until well okay sophie pointed it out first when we first get introduced to sticky yeah i don't uh, he's described his skin color is described as something where it's like tea tea colored so you know the thing that people aren't supposed to do anymore yeah there has been a lot of discussion about this Again, I think I mentioned this in Dragon Slippers. There's been much bigger own voices movement in the book community. And it's and one of the things that continually gets pointed out is don't describe people of color as having skin like food. Yeah, and that's exactly how Trent Lee Stewart talks about literally all of his characters of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really interesting because his characters of color have their skin color described while white colors white colors <laughs> white characters have their complexion described so mm-hmm. number two is described as having like a yellow complexion 
So she clearly doesn't have yellow skin, but she's a white person with yellow undertones. So like, not great. It's something that I don't think was as much of a conversation in 2007. Yeah. So it's understandable why we're picking up on it now. But yeah, I it's mean, still not great. And he, oh yeah, go ahead. The publishing industry. I read. I read this in the statistic from Vox. So <laughs> I know it's from Vox. I don't know what article it's from, but is eighty six percent white, which is a lot. Is yeah. that like today? It was from this year. Okay, so then we can probably rightly assume that in 2007 yeah. that number was higher. People are now, it's more of a common practice now to hire sensitivity readers. Mm -hmm. But even then, like, you can't expect a sensitivity reader to represent every single aspect of every single community that, like, when reading a book. Yeah. Yeah. But luckily, I think with Mysterious Benedict Society, like, this is, like, the main problem with it, at least that I picked up on. Yeah. Because, like, a lot of the other stuff holds up. There isn't, like, blatant sexism or anything. The racism doesn't get worse than the skin tones. Yeah, I do find it interesting that there isn't a lot of commentary on existing systems of power and privilege yes. and oppression. Yeah, because the way that this whole world is set up is like everything is going to shit or is going bad. <laughs> it's okay, you said swearing was fine. You're right. So everything's going to shit because of the whispers messages. And like once the messages are gone, everything is fine which ignores a lot of the systems of power that are historically in place and cause a lot of problems in governance. Yeah. I'm wondering how, how like these societal structures would operate within this improvement. Yeah. So like after the improvement, how things would have gone. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if there was a way to make the whisperer retool people's minds to like make them less racist yeah <laughs> which is still not okay this is a violation of someone's mind like i'm we're not advocating for no mind control yes i'm a strong <laughs> advocate against mind control <laughs> let's just jot that down on the record <laughs> yes Glad that we have that statement out there in the world now. Yeah, mind control bad. <laughs> Sophie, Sophie. <laughs> Sophie, Sophie. <laughs> Sophie Groskopf. Mind control is bad. Yep. Vote for her for president in 2020. <laughs> I'm not even like 36. I know. <laughs> but what if you ran on a platform of mind control is bad? I would get I would get a cult following. I'll just say you that. definitely like the guy who wears the boot on his head. <laughs> He's my favorite. Mm, I don't know who you're talking about, but I'm oh, glad I don't. He runs on a campaign. His campaign promises basically that everyone's gonna get a free pony. Oh, yeah. I feel like that would be some serious mind control there <laughs> to vote for him. He promised something. That's a form of mind control. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> oh damn. Okay. 
<laughs> Anyways, look up the guy with the boot on his head later. Um, but yeah, so it's manipulation, not mind control. Yes, that fair. <laughs> but anyways, back to Mysterious Benedict Society. <laughs> Any other critical analysis? Anal- uh, critical analysis stuff that we should go um, over? Only stuff we already talked about about putting children in danger when they could yeah. have just killed Mister Curtin. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love how pro murder Sophie is about this. Only in this, <laughs> only in this, because I will gladly take out one shitty guy to protect children from danger. You know. You would make a great presidential candidate. That's a good platform to run on. <laughs> yeah, maybe not in recent events with the, you know, the assassination. Oh, you're right. You're <laughs> right. I take back what I just said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Back in 2007, there wasn't an assassination, so I think we can give a pass. I mean, the Osama bin Laden was looming. That's true. But that didn't happen until, like... 2010? Yeah. Something like that? I don't know. Yeah. Point is, politics are hard. Yes, they are. Anyways, let's do our next session. Section? Session. Section? Revive the, Revive author. the author. So I did a little bit of research into Trenton Lee Stewart. He's kind of a reclusive guy. He doesn't do a lot of interviews or anything. The website that he has for the Mysterious Benedict Society is, like, pretty boring. Mm-hmm. Um, you can join the society, allegedly, but you have to buy another one of the books and then solve a puzzle in it and then put in a code word, and then you get to join the society. Yeah, I think that the fact that he doesn't have a public image really helps the books stand on their own. Yes, because it also helps it stand out of time Yeah, and, like, doesn't, like, tie it down. Yeah. It's very similar to how Lemony Snicket is, like, a made-up guy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that he's a communist. <laughs> I mean, this is... No, no shade. No shade. There's nothing wrong with it. Or, like, a socialist. Not a communist, but, like, a socialist. That came the... out of freaking nowhere, Sophie. The way he writes it makes me wonder... Because he, the, especially with the free market drill, he's attaching that to evil. And I think, I'm pretty sure that there's some commentary about the horribleness of capitalism making people forget about human lives mm-hmm. in there. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's a socialist. And also, like, someone who doesn't crave public attention. Yeah. Or, like, in the public sphere. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Where did this person go to college? Let's see. <laughs> I'm still laughing. That was so sudden. I don't think it says where he went to Graduate college. of Iowa Writer's Workshop. Also, could have maybe didn't go to college. Maybe he didn't. Writer's Workshop. Adult novel. Flood Summer. That, I think, was one of his first novels. Yeah. Arkansas. Well, I'm going to look this up really quick. You keep talking about Trent Lee Stewart. (laughs) Okay, so when I was reading some of the interviews with him, um, apparently the way that he came about writing these books is that he first came up with the image of children taking these tests to, like, do something. And then, so it was very much the plot developed first before the characters. So it does make sense that Sophie is seeing, like, less plot or more plot less uh what's it called character depth 
Wait, it says it right there. Yeah, I got it. Oh, okay. Um, University of Iowa. And Hendricks College. I don't know what Hendricks College is. We're going to find out. I think it's just a college. Liberal Arts College. Oh, okay. Boom. So, yeah, he's definitely a socialist. <laughs> well, not definitely. It's just speculation, but I'm pretty sure that he's a socialist, or at least extremely critical of capitalism in Elizabeth Warren kind of way. We're allowed to say this because we also go to a liberal arts school. <laughs> well, we're not necessarily allowed to say this, but, you know. I feel like we have some some authority yeah. to speak on liberal arts colleges and the people yeah. who attend them. Yeah. <laughs> As to I, people I think, who attend I think, them. I think socialist. Yeah, and considering the amount there's of... too much There's too much commentary in this book for him not to be a socialist. Fair enough. But, yeah, I feel like it's really interesting, like, he is just such a reclusive person, which is very cool. Yeah. Well, maybe not, cool might not be the right word, but, you know, it adds something. Yeah, I wonder what his relationship with kids are He has two life. kids. Okay. At least okay. two. He that might have more now. That comes across. I think, he... um, I think in one of the, um, after- I keep wanting to say after credits. It's not... What's the thing? The thanks? Acknowledgements. Yeah. In the acknowledgement section, he, like, thanks one of his sons, I think, in my... In the cop, the hard copy, or hardback copy that I have. I think he thanks his son. Yeah, my son Elliot for being Elliot, which is to say for making everything fine. Which is really cute. Yeah. But yeah, he has two sons. Yeah. I wonder if he he's really good with kids, but he st- still views them as an adult views kids. Like, it's really hard to get into the mind of a kid. So his writing isn't so much getting into the mind of a kid and all the complexities, mm-hmm. but, like, showing them as, like... Complete complete beings. Yeah. Like, like they're not, children, but they're not, like, incomplete. Yeah, so he's not... It doesn't seem like he's writing, like, two children and not through them. Yeah. Yeah. That I like. I think I like that style a lot because it felt nice. Or maybe not nice, but, like, I don't know. I feel like I probably picked that up as a kid that I was being, like, written to. Yeah. Though I personally like when the character... I'm a big fan of the character having the voice. Mm, like, yeah. the character's having the main voice, and they're not being so much of, like, an omniscient mm-hmm. narrator. But also, I, th- I think this it really works in this book to kind of get through the, like, to get the surrealism of yes. a lot of things across. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Very true. Next section. Yeah. Fan fiction takes. Okay. Our personal ideas of the story. Um, anyways, Kate is a lesbian. I know they're children, but I'm claiming her. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. She is not a child in the most recent book that came out. True. Or she's like a late teen. I think she's like 18 or something in the latest book. So, Kate is a lesbian, as we all know. Um, This is very important. Um. (laughs) I mean... I'm kind of fine with them not, them there being, like, no romance at all in this book. I think that is one of the, like, upsides of this book, is that there is, like, no romance between the characters. Yeah. Because they are children. Yes. Most of them are 11. 
Constance mm-hmm. is literally two. Yeah, but Kate doesn't really give straight energy, if you know what I mean. Yes. Yes, I think we know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. She literally carries around a bucket with her. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, once I finished reading Mysterious Benedict Society, I looked up what fan fiction has been written about these characters. Um, the thing is, I don't really want to know. <laughs> fan fiction Mo- is always a dangerous road to go down. Most of it's fairly PG. Good. Um, for, I guess, clarity, I looked at the website Archive of Our Own, which is like one of the main places where fan fiction gets published these days. Um, it's fascinating. Uh, apparently, a lot of people ship um, Rennie and Kate, obviously, because, you know, he's the main guy character and she's like the main girl character who's I do not age. ship it. Fair enough, I don't either. Mm-mm. Um there's also a surprising amount of Rennie and Sticky fan fiction. I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it either. I think a lot of people get gay vibes from Sticky. Which you know, I didn't see it, but he is just like an anxious mess and I know a lot of gay people who are an anxious mess. He reminds me of Cheaty from the good place. Yeah, I think it'd Basically be so an anxiety thing. Yeah, yeah, it'd be so funny if Sticky did the same thing that Cheaty did in The Good Place, where like you know how there's that one part where he's revealed to be super buff, and then Eleanor says like, "Yeah, someone told him that exercise was good for anxiety," <laughs> and he started doing push-ups at like age fourteen and never stopped. Wow, <laughs> what if that happened to Sticky? He just got really buff. <laughs> yeah. That'd be really funny. I think my fan fiction take is that they kill Mr. Curtin, which I know is you you expected this. They kill Mr. Curtin. Yes. But they do it before the kids even go. So then the book just doesn't happen and everyone's saved. But then the kids don't get a family. Yeah, well... And Sticky is still on his own running away from his parents. He never finds out that his parents love him. And Constance is still living in the freaking library. Well, perhaps. Perhaps the, the world will work out. Or maybe child safety services in this universe just need to do a better job. Uh-huh. Yes. Oh, yes. That's my take. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, the fact that the orphanage director is allowed to just, like, keep Rennie, who's obviously a very smart kid, at the orphanage instead of sending him to another place, like, where he could actually, like, learn new things. That's, that's messed up. That's super messed up. Mm -hmm. I really wish that one of them, either Rennie or Sticky, would fall prey to the, maybe both of them would fall prey to the, the messenger I mean, I'm sorry, the Whisperer, and they would both give in and join Mr. Curtin, and then Kate and Constance would have to band together and maybe gather new allies at the Institute because they need more, they need, they need more character development. The other child characters, like, they're human too. Yeah, that'd be so interesting to see if there were any other kids on the island who didn't want to be there, who, like thought that stuff was messed up yeah and then uh, it seems like a lot of the people who got brain swept were people who are resisting and people who weren't as susceptible to the the voices 
what if they had figured out a way to reverse the mind sweeping? Mm-hmm. Like, what, like, I don't know, Rennie's, like, supposedly a genius or whatever. What if he yeah. had figured it out and, like, managed to create a device to reverse the mind sweeping and then they freed all of the helpers? Though, like, the way it got reversed with Milligan was, like, a very psychological, like, a, a trigger. Yeah, but at the end of the book, we see that Mr. Benedict's working on creating a machine mm-hmm. to reveal the memories but yeah not everyone can have a milligan moment yeah i just i just would have loved for this to get dark i'm ready (laughs) (laughs) i like this would have also made this this like rennie falling prey to the whisperer would have also added some complication to his character so he's Mm. not just such a gary stew yeah and it would have given the other it would have forced the other characters to kind of step into Rennie's role mm-hmm. as a leader and puzzle puzzle thing like maybe Rennie can get the puzzles on his all on his own but then the other kids if they all work together they can also get the puzzles mm-hmm. and then they all have to like learn from Rennie because Rennie's out of commission he's like taken in by the whisper and Mr. Curtin it'd be so sad yes but it would be so good and then they would get renny back at the end yeah somehow oh and then renny would do the final thing when he would where he would he would be like the mr curtain would be like join me renny help help me finish the improvement and then renny would be like no pulls out a gun <laughs> shoots mr curtain <laughs> oh i should have seen that coming <laughs> he dies <laughs> And then, okay. and then he turns to Kate, Constance, and Sticky is like, I never should have left you guys. Oh, I'm so, so, cute. so sorry. I promise. Oh, like, I, I will never do it again. Will you ever forgive me? And they're like, of course, Benny. Of course. Of course. And Aww. then they all, they all hug and then they go back and then they're the lovely found family we all know and love. I like that. <laughs> That's pretty cute. Um, I don't really have any more fanfiction takes, but I do have a weird thought that I want to put in. Weird thoughts from Jacqueline's brain. Yep, yep, that's part of the section. Um, yeah, when I was younger, I definitely read a lot of those books where the main character is like an orphan or like the parents have died and now the kid goes on an adventure. Oh, yikes. And, uh... If my parents are listening to this, I apologize for what's coming (laughs) next. (laughs) But I did fantasize about either my parents dying or uh, me just running away quite often. Mm. Especially once we moved from where I was born to where I grew up. There was was some running away fantasies Mm -hmm. that never came to fruition because I was kind of a wimp. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely thought a lot about it'd be like i know this is like totally not reality but in my head from all these books my brain was thinking like it'd be so cool to be an orphan and then go on like a cool adventure with like fun new friends and then i'd get a found family instead of a real uh, well not real instead of my born one yeah i think that says a lot about the restricted world that children are forced to live in a lot of the time where where um they're like never treated like they can be fully independent and mm-hmm. like they can make their own decisions and um 
like school and home can be super stifling for a lot of people. Yeah, I think it also says something about how like a lot of authors don't know how to deal with parents. Oh yeah, the like I've they've I've heard authors say flat out like right that they need to find a way to get rid of the parents and um the great thing about once we get to like new adult and adult fiction is that you don't have to worry about getting rid of the parents. You just can add angst in the relationship. <laughs> we kind of get a taste of that with Sticky. Oh yeah. But um, I found really creative ways that people get rid of the parents. And it's really sad because parent, parent relationships are super, super, super formative. And yeah. I don't see a lot of situations where people have positive and healthy relationships with their parents <laughs> yes which i mean there are plenty of people who who really really don't but there are also a lot of people who do and i know for a fact that some of the friends some of the friends i had when i was younger who maybe did not have a great relationship with their parents were looking to books and movies and other people's parents to see what a positive healthy relationship looked like mm-hmm yeah and that is not coming through in a lot of children's literature. Yeah. Yeah. My, like, weird or kind of warped fantasies of wanting to be an orphan are, like, really messed up. Like, really, like, low-key really messed up. Yeah. And I can, uh, I understand that as an adult now. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. Well, wild stuff. That's my random thought for the day. Nice <laughs> random thought. Thanks. Okay, should we move on to ratings and conclusion? Yes. So, who would you recommend this book to? I would recommend this book to, honestly, everyone who wants to read it. Yeah, yeah. You can read same. it as a kid, you can read it as an adult. I think it helps if you like reading books about puzzles. Mm, yes. And it also helps if you are a plot reader. Yes. Um, I think it's a really entertaining book, and I think that there, it's especially relevant to read now. And, like, fiction, when the news is not giving you any hope or inspiration, fiction can do that. Yeah. It can give you what you need, because... The news does not have a profit incentive to give you stuff that's not going to sell or make you click on it. Yep. So that's why you need to read a book by probably a socialist, <laughs> Trenton Stewart, <laughs> who shows you that a couple of kids can save the day with yeah. their incredible minds and just resist resisting all this horrible emergency negative messages. Yeah. Which is a simplistic way to put how the situation is going on right now, but still, hope it's is comforting. Real. I would say I would also recommend it to literally anyone who wants to read it, anyone who loves a good adventure story, a good puzzle mystery story, this is definitely for them. Yes. I think I would specifically recommend it to children around the ages of the characters. Yeah. Because it is really cool to be able to see kids your age like doing amazing things and like that is super empowering um i feel like also specifically within that age group i would want to recommend it to kids who are labeled as quote-unquote gifted mm -hmm. because sometimes those programs can like 
really mess with a child's self-esteem. And Mm -hmm. it's really important to have characters in fiction who, um, like, use those skills that adults kind of label as gifts and, like, super intelligence and, like, using that to actually help the world. I feel like it's something that's really cool to see in fiction. Something I will say is that I don't think these kids had to be special to to do what they did. That's true. I don't think that they needed their gifts. They could have done it without them. Yeah, that's true. And I think it would have been interesting if we didn't have to rely on these gimmicks from the characters that, that made them gifted or special, and we mm-hmm. could have just relied on their own strengths individually. I will say I liked how all of their, like, quote-unquote gimmicks are so different from each other. Like, Sticky is really, like, what it's like kind of root learning and like memorization intelligence while Kate is completely opposite where she's very much like bodily intelligence like she knows how to to move her body really well and like how to like use her physical strengths and then like Constance you don't really see it because she's like two but she has some like impressive emotional strength and then Rennie is like supposed to be Gary like, Stu puzzled a little man. yeah like he his strengths lie in like <laughs> being a leader and also like solving puzzles <laughs> yeah <laughs> I know a couple of people in real life who are a little bit like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> or at least who think they're exactly like that yes <laughs> yes except they think they're Kate <laughs> no I think we're thinking about different people oh <laughs> I know who you're thinking of right now. Okay. Because you're right. Mm. <laughs> okay. Um, anyways, let's go on to the number ratings. Nostalgia rating. I rated it four out of five for nostalgia, and I think that's because I did reread these books a couple of years ago. So the nostalgia is a little bit lower for me. I rated this nostalgia rating a five out of five because this brought me back to my fifth grade class, which was a fantastic year for me and it just brought it all back and so it was it was a good it was a good time and um shout out to my fourth and fifth grade teacher miss stackhouse you are amazing (laughs) i still think of you oh awesome 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 teacher um i but i also added a goodreads rating because i did without rereading it i did rate it on goodreads when i got a goodreads account and i rated a four out of five because I didn't like Rennie. <laughs> so I took the point off for Rennie. What's your current rating? But my current rating is actually in between. I'm going to say it's a 4.5 out of 5. Because the the complexity in the book in terms of the plot and the writing really got me. I still don't think the characters are super strong without the plot. But... Um, I mean, how much longer could this book be, realistically? <laughs> so, 1,000 pages, please. Yes. Trent Lee Stewart, if you're listening, rewrite rewrite your book with more characters. Make it longer. Do it. I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> or just write, just write side stories from the point of view of other characters in the Institute, maybe. Because... Mm. That'd be, that'd be fun. I don't buy that these are the only kids who are... Super, super special. I think that any kid can can do what these kids are doing, which I think is kind of the point. But yeah. I don't think it takes these special qualities that 
Mr. Benedict was testing them for. I think that he could have done a lighter test and sent anyone and it would have been fine. He just needed he just needed people to be able to report what was going on. Mm-hmm. And it was very clear in the Institute that they wasn't for ex- exceptionally gift, like gifted people. Yeah, it was they took literally anyone. Yeah. Um, well, anyways, my current rating is a five out of five. I feel like I'm just going to rate everything five out of five. I really like these books. <laughs> oh, you um, haven't read People Sparks yet. Oh, you're right. You're <laughs> right. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, I was thinking about maybe rating it a four out of five um, because of how, like, I don't know, just, like, the racism stuff. Um... But then I realized that I rated Dragon Slippers 5 out of 5, and mm-hmm. that book, I think, has a little bit more problematic stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I couldn't well rate that 5 out of 5 and not rate this one 5 out of 5. Um, also, I just, like, I don't know. It brought me such joy to read. I feel like if I was Marie Kondoing my uh, book tastes, this one brings me joy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So, last final wrapping up question. Who would you be if you had to be one of these characters? I would be Miss Puramal because I don't think I'm pronouncing that right, but... Basically, Rennie's tutor. Yes. Slash mother! Oh, no. Adoptive mother at the end. Yeah, because I think... I think the energy is... I'd like to think the energy is similar. And, um... energy. And then out of the kids, I'd probably be sticky for the, you know, the nervous, this nervousness, the overthinking a lot of things. And the love of your friends. Yeah, and also, um, I'm really bad at puzzles, so if I would not realize that test was a puzzle at all, I would try to answer it on my own. Valid. Yeah. I could see you as sticky. Mm -hmm. He loves his friends and so do you. You're never living that I, down. I guess I love my friends. <laughs> oh, you Who guess? Who would have ever thought? <laughs> you guess? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, anyways, I think I connect a lot with a lot of these different, with a lot of the kids in different ways. If I had to pick one, I'd pick Rennie. I connected with him a lot as a kid, and I still do. I just like him a lot. He's got a good inner, inner, um, struggles his i like his inner insecurities and all that stuff connect with it a lot what insecurities <laughs> he worries about that he's leading his friends down the wrong path okay and like i don't know okay i feel like the things that he worries about are very real and i connect with them mm-hmm. um and yeah i don't know like dream world would be kate but like let's be real i'm not that cool <laughs> I wish, but I'm not. Yes. Plus, we already have a friend who would obviously be Kate. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's all for this week. Yeah, next time we'll be looking at the City of Ember series. So that's City of Ember, People of Sparks, and Diamond of Darkhold. We will also be watching the City of Ember movie and live tweeting it. Oh, we will be? Yes, we will. That'll be spicy. (laughs) Um, Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at WTKA underscore podcast and at our website. The link will be in the description. I just realized that the City of Embers 
episode is gonna come out way after we watch the movie. That's fine. That's fine. You can just see our thoughts on the movie before you see the episode mm-hmm. of the podcast. So anyways, thanks so much for listening. Watch, watch out, out for, for subliminal, subliminal messages. messages and have a great day.